Are you a saint? Welcome to episode 22 of Anglican Catechesis, where we're learning to follow Jesus on the Anglican way. Today we'll be covering questions 100 through 104 in To Be a Christian in Anglican Catechism, the official catechism of the Anglican Church in North America. I'm Father Kurt Hine, Rector of Light of Christ Anglican Church in Georgetown, Texas, joined today by my co-catechist, Father Isaac Rayberg, Rector of All Saints Anglican Church in San Antonio, Texas. But before we begin, let's start with a prayer. This is prayer number one in the uh, occasional prayers from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer, the other prayer for the Universal Church. O God of unchangeable power and eternal light, look favorably on your whole church, that wonderful and sacred mystery, by the effectual working of your providence, carry out in tranquility the plan of salvation. Let the whole world see and know that, that things which were cast down are being raised up, and things which had grown old are being made new, and that all things are being brought to their perfection by him, through whom all things were made, your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Okay, question 100. Who are the saints? The saints are all those in heaven and on earth who place their faith in Jesus Christ, who are set apart fully to God in Christ and transformed by his grace. Amen. So it's not just those in heaven. No, it's also those on earth. And it's not just those who um, were really, really good Christians, like let's say St. Teresa or or St. Gregory, or, you know, St. Paul, but it's actually all who place their faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah, and um, saints coming from the same word that uh, we get holy, um, you know, the saints are the holy ones, and as we talked about last week, um, you know, why are we holy? Well, because the Spirit indwells us and has set us apart for God, um, so that's why we are the saints. We are the ones who have been set apart. And in, in fact, you know, in, in scripture, you don't usually see saints referring to, to the faithful departed so much as those who are currently um, on earth. And that, that's not to exclude the faithful departed, but, but the most usual way the term is used in scripture is to refer to those, those who are still fighting the fight. Yeah, when the apostles re refer in their epistles to those they're writing to, they call them saints. And like That's you right. said, it's liter it literally means holies. Just like sanctified right. means holy. It's the same thing. Saints comes from sanctified. Um, and so we're talking about those that have the Holy Spirit that have been set apart for, um, for God. Question number 101, what does the word communion mean? Communion means being one with someone in, uni in, uni uh, in union and unity. Let me say that again. Communion means being one with someone in union and unity. For Christians, it refers to the unity of the three persons within the one being of God, to our union with God through our union with Christ, and to our unity with one another in Christ. And this is an absolutely wonderful mystery. The, um, the unity of the three persons, our union with God through Christ, our union with one another, and all of those things are really tied up to together, 
you know, what, what happens is because of our union with Christ, we are brought into the union of mm-hmm. the three persons of the Trinity and union with each other. You know, he's right. the one that kind of glues us all together through the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and that's, that's absolutely beautiful. Right. Well, a, why, why do we why do we call the Eucharist communion? Well, because it's bringing us into communion with each other and with God. Yeah, so, so it's the sacrament. Of our yeah, it's, it's the sacrament. It's a, it's a sacrament, right? It's a the visible sign of an inward spiritual grace that also um, gives that gift to us. And so the gift that we're receiving in the Eucharist is the body and blood of of Christ Himself. And so that special presence then is joining us together with Christ so that we are one with him, so that we are now um, one with God through Christ. And then we are joined together with each other in this new body, this new people called the church. And so that's why it is called communion. Um, I, yeah, I, I think this, this, I love how this goes back to the mystery of the Trinity, right? One God, yeah. three persons. And so there's a deep, intimate koinonia in the three persons of the Trinity, and and Augustine talks about this: the Father, um, the unbegotten, begets the Son um, through through all eternity, and that the that the love between Father and Son is the third person, the Holy Spirit, which binds them together. And and you see Saint Paul talk about how the Holy Spirit then does the same thing in us, right? Binds That's us right. together with God, and then with one another in love. Yeah, that's that's the a very point I I um as a time recording am making or by the time y'all are listening have made in my Pentecost sermon this year mm-hmm. is that that very point. <laughs> it's good. It, Paul talks a lot about this in the book of Ephesians. Um, yeah, yeah, he sure the does. Beauty, the beauty of this word in Greek koinonia, and I love that that uh, the definition here: one with someone in union and unity. Mm-hmm. So, without. Without um, and, and in this way, right, it's very different from some other religions that talk about um, nirvana or or sort of there's a there's a sort of um, losing of the self. The self gets absorbed into the divine spirit and, and, and the self is lost in some way. But in Christianity, that's not the case. This union actually affirms the person and makes the person even more because of that community. And that's why the, the highest ideal in, in Christianity is love, right? Because in order for there to be love, there has to be two. <laughs> it has to be in some way two, right? One that receives and one that gives and then one that um, reciprocates. And so for that love to be there. Um, and so our, our vision for, for heaven, uh, the beatific vision, right, of seeing God is that, yes, we will be in this intimate union with God, but we will not be lost in that union. We will always all. We will always be um, a person, and in in communion, in koinonia with with God, and with each other. Uh, so, question uh, one hundred and two: What is the communion of the saints? The communion of the saints is the fellowship of all those in heaven and on earth who are united in Christ as one body through one Spirit in holy baptism. So yeah, there is that that the church is that fellowship um, across time, across space between all of those who have been all of us who have been united to Christ and therefore united to each other. Um, you know, they and this goes back to that definition of the church from last week that mm-hmm. talked about uh, uh, 
yeah, it, it being Catholic in continuity with the whole church. Right. Yeah, and it, it's it's a it's amazing to think about this the the unity that we share then with um, our brothers and sisters throughout throughout time and throughout the world that we are in a very real sense one with them. Yeah, so all, all those guys I love to quote in in homily prep um, are brothers and sisters, not 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 just the uh, ancestors in the faith, but they're also mm-hmm. ontologically brothers and sisters whom one day um, we will see face to face. Hmm. number 103 how do you participate in the communion of the saints i live as a member of the communion of saints through faith in jesus christ and the work of the holy spirit by gathering to worship god with my fellow christians by praying for and encouraging one another and by coming to one another's aid in times of trouble sickness or grief yeah so there there's a very real participation um, in the community of faith, you know, here in that local expression, um, we do need to be here for each other. Um, you know, the, the 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 church is the place where we have that that family that's that's beyond our our actual family. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, there's there's a fellowship that goes to those that we have not yet even met. Mm-hmm. And this is why the script the scriptures clearly command us to not forsake the assembling of the saints. That's what um, we learn in, in the book of Hebrews. So it's very, very important that that's our priority. Like right. the priority of our Sunday is gathering together with the communion of saints, with the church. That's right. That's and, right. Uh, and then we need to be lifting each other up in prayer. And then that prayer uh, equips us to meet the real needs in the congregation, a big part of being together as the church is bearing one another's burdens. I mean, there are, there are certain burdens, responsibilities, if you will, that are only ours to bear, right? There are certain responsibilities that I have that are only mine to bear, and for you to take them, Isaac, would actually be not a good thing. Um, right. I have responsibilities to my kids, et cetera, my wife. Um, but there are times, right, when life... Um, becomes very burdensome there where their loads are placed upon us by life that we cannot bear by ourselves, and that's when we need to come together and and bear one another's loads and and here it says um specifically in times of trouble sickness or grief um grieving together with those that have lost or uh loved ones um helping those that are sick um whether it's financially or or just with ministry of presence or um, this is something that, in fact, the early church was known for when everyone was fleeing Rome because of pestilence. It was the the Christians that were actually staying and taking care of those who had the plague and really showing this love um, through their actions. And we live in a time when um, everything is a lot, at least in our in our in our country, where things tend to be a lot more atomized. Um, everybody is, you know, on their own. Um, super busy individual schedules, you know, entertainment is streaming on your big screen at home, but the church is one of the few places where we gather together, uh, frankly, voluntarily. I mean, nobody's, right. nobody's obligating us to do that, but, um, you know, it, it, in a way that um, is very unique in our time. And, and I think that's a good thing because um, it, it restores something that um, might have not been as obvious about the church when 
maybe uh, there there were a lot more clubs and associations and things like that more normal in life. Yeah, I think it's a special calling for this day and age that the church be hospitable and have that community because it is lacking in our Western world. Like you said, we're so atomized. Um, it was someone in the government recently said that loneliness is a, a huge health issue in our in yeah. our country. At the same time, when we're con- we're continuing to create technologies to make us more lonely, um, you know, AI bots who are going to be um, romantic partners, you know, it's like goodness that's, gracious, that's like what are we doing crazy. to ourselves? Um, yeah. Uh, you know, comfort is our idol, but, and we're willing to sacrifice our happiness for comfort, even when it leaves us, you know, lonely. And um, because, you know, let's face it, true communion with other people who are sinners who are different and us being sinners as well is often very difficult and requires things like sacrifice. Um, But there's a wonderful fruit of sacrifice, which is, which is true love, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. Being able to know and to give true love. So, yeah. So number 104, how are the church on earth and the church in heaven joined in worship? Through union with Christ, as celebrated in the sacrament of Holy Communion, the church on earth participates with the church in heaven in the eternal worship of God. Again, I'm reminded of um, in the Sursum Corda, you know, with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when we're, when, we're, when we're all together at that point. Yes, and it, it quotes here uh, Hebrews chapter 12. It has a reference here, Hebrews 12, 18 through 29. And um, let's see if we can find here where it's talking. It's talking about the difference between Sinai and uh, the heavenly Jerusalem. In verse 22, it says uh, of chapter 12 in Hebrews, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Yeah. Mm, profound. <laughs> That's uh and, and again, as we're recording this, we had just celebrated the Feast of the Ascension, and those are all the kinds of things that get emphasized when we think about Jesus' ascension into heaven and bringing us with him. Amen. So next time that uh, you are not feeling like going to uh, church, remember that it is the most important thing that happens in your week that the church needs you, uh, you need the church. And remember this, that when, you, when you're coming into uh, the, the service of word and sacrament, that you are entering into the eternal worship of the creator of all things and the redeemer of all. What a privilege. Thank you for joining us for Anglican Catechesis, where we're learning to follow Jesus on the Anglican way. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to like, subscribe, share with your friends, and leave a comment below. You can also take Anglican Catechesis with you on the go by subscribing to the podcast. You can find the link in the YouTube description. Lord willing, we look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, may the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace in believing through the power of the Holy Spirit.